Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Welcome to the Ghost of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 31 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today, we're discussing chapter 30 of A Game of Thrones, Eddard 7. We'll chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you, and hopefully we'll provide you with some entertainment along the way. We'll summarise what's happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some background, compare it to the TV show, and indulge in a little pedantry. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide you some interesting information about the characters in this chapter. Yes, please check them out. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a long one. Let's get the show on the road. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, quick recap of what Eddard was up to last we saw him. He was retracing John Arryn's final days, trying to figure out what connects a book of lineages, an apprenticed bastard blacksmith called Gendry, and various brothels. Since then, his long-dreaded tournament has arrived. McKelly, why don't we give them the summary? All right. Sir Barristan Selmy and Ned are holding Shiva over the body of Sir Hugh of the Vale. They agree to send his armor to his mother, and that Ned will finish paying off Sir Hugh's debts to his smith. They walk together, discussing Robert's drunken plan to fight in the melee. Selmy hopes he'll back off in the cold light of morning. Ned knows him better. They arrive at the king's tent to find him grappling with squires who cannot get his armor over his girth. Robert yells at the two Lannister boys and send them away. Selmy and Ned convince him to not fight, as it wouldn't be fair since no one would dare touch him. Robert dismisses Sir Barristan and moans to Ned that he misses the life they lived during the rebellion and that Ned or John Arryn should have been the king. But Ned points out that Robert always had the better claim to the throne. They have a heart-to-heart, and Robert admits that he knew Joffrey was lying about Nymeria, that he dreams of leaving Westeros to be a free rider somewhere else, but the thought of Joffrey on the throne, with Cersei in his ear, prevents him. Ned half-heartedly tries to defend Joffrey, and then they reminisce about the times in the Vale as children. They have breakfast and then return to the tourney. Ned sits with Sansa as Sandor Clegane defeats Jaime Lannister, Renly Baratheon wins 100 gold dragons from Littlefinger over this one. And then Sir Loras Tyrell unseats Gregor Clegane, who slaughters his horse in fury and then attacks Sir Loras. Only swift intervention by the Hound prevents Gregor from killing Sir Loras. The king calls a halt to the sibling sword fight, and Sir Loras names the Hound as winner of the tournament for saving his life. Sander is in the unfamiliar position of being cheered by the crowd. A kid named Angai from Dorne wins the archery contest, and the flame-sword-wielding red priest Thoris of Myr wins the melee. A feast ensues, where Ned is feeling as good as he has since stepping foot in King's Landing. Arya is black and blue from her dancing lessons, and Sansa reckons she must be a terrible dancer. Ned begins to doubt the wisdom of his choice, but Arya wants only Sirio Pharrell. Later, Ned ponders his investigation. Robert has bastards all over the Seven Kingdoms. His first was father in the Vale when they lived with John Arryn. He had another being fostered by the Castellan of Storm's End, and plenty more besides. Could Cersei be worried about claims to the throne? Seems unlikely, as bastards have few rights. 
His ruminations were interrupted by a visitor, Savaris, in plain clothes and speaking plainly, without the oily sycophancy of his small council persona. Varys reveals that the Lannisters plotted to kill Robert in the melee, and that only Ned's intercession saved him. Ned thinks that Varys should have said something earlier, but Varys said he did not, until today, know that he could trust Ned. Ned asks how Jon Arryn died, and Varys names the poison, Tears of Lists, and that Sir Hugh was the poisoner. Ned asks, why now? Varys replies that it was because he, Jon Arryn, was asking questions. This in my opinion, hands down the best chapter we've gotten to so far. There's so many of the questions and speculations and ruminations that we've had that get answered, at least... Well, they're certainly coming together. Yes. Not necessarily answered, but they are coalescing. Yes, good stuff. Uh, But be careful, because all of that is only true if you take Varys at his word. I was going to say that. Yeah. I mean, I've been sceptical about several of the witnesses we've talked to here, um, notably Grand Maester Pycelle. Pycelle, right, yeah. And Varys is certainly no more trustworthy than Pycelle. But there is a sort of, the word I'm going to use is verisimilitude. (laughs) (laughs) The appearance of truthfulness about what he's saying. It fits with what we're reading. It fits with the narrative. And therefore, I'm inclined to believe it. Right, yeah. So... For, uh, as Simon pointed out last episode, for those uh, astute listeners, you may have already figured out who the young knight from the Vale was that Sir Gregor killed. But now in this chapter, you learn that it was indeed Sir Hugh of the Vale. John Arryn's former squire. Yes. Who was, who was elevated to knighthood in an unseemly haste after yes. John, uh, John Arryn's death. If you remember, it was during the jousting that Sir Gregor's lance rode up into... Sir Hugh's neck because his gorget was loose and uh, killed him. And Sandor did not think it was an accident. Yes, he never did. He said that to Sansa in the last chapter. Yes, he said where uh, Sir Gregor's lance goes where Gregor wants his lance to go. So, mm-hmm. so now there's, there was the question of was there a motive for it beyond just like the joy of killing someone? Well, now there's a possible motive. If the Lannisters are implicit or complicit in the death of John Arryn, and Sir Hugh was their tool, yep. then getting him out of the picture seems like a smart move. Yep, and uh, one thing we know is that House Clegane owes fealty to House Lannister. Yep. So, and Ned, you know, the, before he knows of any of this stuff, before he has this conversation with Varys, he wonders, is this my fault did I, that the kid is dead. Yeah, that he's dead because I wanted to talk to him. A Lannister Bannerman has killed him. Is this fall on me? Yeah, yeah. That the word that Ned wanted to talk to him had reached the wrong ears, and right. that's why he was killed. And of course, this was before Varys tells Ned that he believes that Sir Hugh was the poisoner. So yeah. he might have a different opinion of, of the situation now. But. but, I mean, the one thing you can say, if Sir Hugh is the poisoner, if that's true then he is not the instigator of this. Right. There's no reason for that squire to murder his yes, lord. that's true. So he was working on someone's behalf. So, again, going back to Cersei was out of town when it happened, well, she might have yep. said, here's this. Right. Season his salad with that next week <laughs> while I'm out of town. Yeah. yeah, you just wonder, though, how where Lysa's getting her information from, unless maybe, I don't know, it doesn't seem like Varys would have, gone and given her this similar information so 
where did Liza get the information from to send the letter to Kat to start this whole investigation? Well, that's in an interesting question. Place? Maybe what about Sir Hugh? Maybe Sir Hugh, racked with guilt or something after the murder, says to her, doesn't confess to his own part in it. Oh, but yeah. says, okay, yeah, I know for a fact that he was poisoned here, and I know who it was, and it was Cersei Lannister that did it. Hmm. Yeah, and Could maybe. Be. Liza says, all right, I'm out of here, and says to the king, hey, will you knight that guy because he's awesome? Right. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, yeah, that could all play out that way. Because I, I'm still a little bit perturbed by the knighting of him. Because, yeah. Because that's really a job for Robert. And if Robert, Robert wouldn't reward him for killing John. Right. Cersei may ask him to. yeah. All we know so is would what... then, Robert would then say, why? Why do you want me to make this kid a knight? <laughs> right. The only thing we know is that Sir Barristan says that he really wanted to be knighted. Like, but what squire doesn't really want to be knighted? Right. So there's got to be more to it than yeah. just, please, we, please, please. We did have that conversation right at the start of this when we said that, you know, a squire who was on the cusp of being knighted, it would be unfortunate for them if their lord died. Right. And yeah. someone might take pity on them in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, much like Sir Roderick in the last cat chapter when he expresses his negative opinion of tournaments, Ned also says that uh, war should not be a game. This mm-hmm. was needless. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So he too, of, of the North, that's what Cat said is the reason that Sir Roderick has such a negative opinion of tourney. So it must yeah. just be a, a belief in the North that it's not, these things aren't meant for yeah. play. So he leaves it to the silent sisters to handle Hugh's final preparation for the for his burial. His, I guess we don't know exactly what's going to happen to him. Yeah, I think they use um, beetles to eat off the skin. Ooh. I have I have some info in Charming. the uh, um, background about how the silent sisters. He asked do them their to thing. he asked them to send the armor to the mother in the in the veil. And he says that he will deal with the debts that Sir Hugh racked up with the blacksmiths for his armor. Yeah. Again, before he knows about Sir Hugh's possible role in John Aaron's death, he said he paid for his armor in the yeah. ultimate way, I guess, basically. So Ned and Selmy go to the king's tent. Uh, <laughs> Robert's squires are trying to get his armor on him, but... And Ned puts it bluntly. Yes. You're too fat for your armor. As, that, that is the uh, Stark way right there. <laughs> At least the Ned Stark. Sansa might have handled that more tactfully. Ned, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> he took one look and said, Robert, you're too fat for your armor. In in the show, Robert freezes when that he's told that. Then he laughs. <laughs> then the squire laughs. Then Robert looks at the squire and says, is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> That is a little funny, I have to admit. Yeah, and he sends them after the breastplate stretcher, which uh-huh. apparently uh-huh. doesn't exist. Yes. So. Sending them on a wild goose chase. Yes. But one thing that he does notice, one thing Ned does notice about the squires is that they have the Lannister look about them. Yeah. And so he inquires and turns out, yes, they are Lancel and Tyrek Lannister, both cousins of Queen Cersei. Uh-huh. Too many of that tribe too close to Robert. Yep. For and, Ned's liking. And uh, Robert says, my wife insisted I take these two as my squire. So Cersei directly was involved in these two being chosen to be his squires. You know, once my dad sent me down to the sort of garden shed to get the striped paint. <laughs> 
and I was too young to see it. I was, like, paint. I was going through all of them. Like, I couldn't find any striped paint there. Uh, how clever. Yeah. So Barristan and Ned explain why it just would not be a good idea to participate in the melee. They focus on the fact that no one's going to fight him. No one would yep. voluntarily hit the king. And so he's going to win and it's going to be pointless. Yeah, and Sir Barristan was smart there. And Ned realizes where he's going with it because if they had said... Um, you know, this is dangerous. You could get hurt. That would have only fueled his yeah, fire. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So instead, you mentioned that you know, if you if you enter this, you're just going to win because you're the king, and that kind of does the opposite. Yeah. Has the opposite effect. He's like, what? What? And he gets really angry about this. He throws a, I think it's the breastplate or something at Sir Barristan, who nimbly uh, dodges it, mm-hmm. and then he tells him to get out. So Ned stays around. Yep. Robert says that Ned or John should have become the king instead of him, but um, Ned makes the point that Robert has the better claim. Yes. That we, we mentioned this before, that uh, Robert was related to the Targaryens. Yes, his, his grandmother. Yeah, was Rael Targaryen. Yeah. And, and he also defeated Rhaegar in single combat, and Rhaegar was the heir. So right. if you defeat the heir, you get rid of all the rest of them, and you've got a decent lineage claim. Yeah. Yeah. I think the maesters use the fact that he is a, a descendant of the Targaryens as the official reason for his right. claim. But I think the people respect and uh, they look at it as he killed Rhaegar in, in single combat, mano e mano, yeah. as the reason. So he didn't ever want to marry Cersei, no great surprise there. It was no. John Arryn's idea yeah. to bind Tywin Lannister to him, which is, you know, I mean, the biggest possibility of the... King of the Seven Kingdoms falling apart probably would be descent between the throne and Lannisters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ned was always going to be on their side. Right. The the Aarons, the um the Vale was going to be on yeah. their side through yeah. John Aaron. The Riverlands probably. Yeah. yeah. From, from the Tullys and the Ned's connection there. So yeah, it was going to be the uh, it was going to be the Lannisters likely yeah. if Viserys ever did make it across the uh, yeah. the narrow sea with his army yeah and in particular i mean not just the breaking apart sort of by internecine squabbling but also if the targaryens came back right it would be better to have them on the same side yeah yeah we'll be right back hello friends are you ready to make some unforgettable memories well if so consider the marriott bonvoy program Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Although it doesn't look like that's working out as planned so well. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Well. <laughs> the best laid pl- plans of mice and men. Yeah. But now, then Robert gets a little bit introspective. And he starts talking about kind of interesting stuff about his own view on himself and his reign. And the first thing he says is that he was never so alive when he was winning the throne and never so dead since he won it. Yeah. And then he... And then he, um, he Verbs and noun. He says, uh, 
Look what kinging has done to me. <laughs> I can't even fit into my own armor. <laughs> it's the kinging. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. He admits to knowing that Joffrey was lying over the wolf. Yeah, and we knew that. We knew he we knew, knew. He knew, yeah. He just didn't have the backbone to yeah. fight Cersei on it as much as needed to be. Eventually he caved. Yeah. So he wants to give up the crown and go to the free cities and be a sellsword. I think in the... Um, in the summary, we said a free rider. That was because I wrote that, but he, you're right. He said a sellsword, not a free rider. I should be more careful. The sellsword king, he yes. dubs himself. Yeah. Wouldn't the musicians love that yeah. or something like that? And I really, I think he would do it. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's actually somewhat to his credit that the one thing that stops him is the horror that he would leave behind, yes. namely a puppet king, Joffrey, with the the marionette with, <laughs> to his mother and not only is it puppet king he's like a little sociopath yeah exactly king, those so. those two together God. yeah so. well you know i wonder if maybe all the drinking and the womanizing is something to do with how miserable he is it's an escape from he just really is not yeah meant to be a king and he's kind of trapped because he is the king you can't really give that up very easily so I, I gotta say, I think I think of some time. of it is the marriage. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I think if he was married to someone he truly loved, he'd be okay. I don't think he would be a diligent king, but I don't <laughs> think he would be a a drunk who was off uh, in the brothels all the time, right. siring bastards. You know. He mentions when when he says that Cersei forbade him from participating in the in the melee. He says, Liana would have never have done that. So, and Ned, But Ned corrects <laughs> yes. him. Ned says, you were in love with that girl. She would have told you not to fight. <laughs> she said, you had no business yeah. being in that melee. Yeah. So there's good comedy when Robert repeatedly berates Ned for interrupting <laughs> him. Drink! And then he keeps when he it. finally claims to be a good king, Ned doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> he says... Uh, Ned eventually does start to say something, and he says, uh, just tell me I was better than Ares. You never could lie for love nor honor. <laughs> he, I notice he doesn't. Yes. <laughs> he still leaves it hanging. Yeah, it, but, uh, but presumably everyone agrees he is better than Ares. At least post-Tywin Lannister era Ares. Yeah, yeah. Tywin, I mean, Tywin's still alive, but at least post-Tywin Lannister as Hand of the King yeah. Ares, when he yeah. started to really go over the edge but Ned's silence certainly speaks volumes yeah. to what he thinks of his uh, but, ruling. But Robert believes that Ned's arrival will fix things and create a reign worthy of the songs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, this whole thing is kind of a an unusual moment of clarity. Usually he's in either a drunken stupor or a bravado-based, uh, mm. you know, I'm, I'm King Robert. So it's good that he re- says... Now that you're here, you and I will create a reign worthy of song. But And that's possible, certainly. But that would require him to do the right thing, such as lay off the booze a bit, participate in ruling, and listen to Ned. Yeah. Three things I don't but it, think. But it does, it does get Ned fantasizing about what this might, what, what this might look like. Yeah. Proving yeah. the Lannisters' guilt, getting Cersei and Jaime out of the picture, and then perhaps, if necessary, defeating Tywin in battle. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you and, could just see him sitting there yeah. going, oh, these are great ideas. <laughs> and he thinks that that might get Robert back in the saddle and perhaps... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Ned, Ned joins the fantasy as well. Yeah. 
But so then they, the two of them, walked to the tourney together, and Ned had promised to sit with Sansa. But when he takes Robert to his spot, he notices that Cersei is nowhere to be seen, which gives him another little boost of excitement. But then he sits down with Cersei, and she's so engrossed she barely notices he's Sansa. there. Did I say Cersei? You did say Sorry. Cersei. Yeah. He sits with Sansa. If he sat with Cersei, Cersei that would be, be really yes. odd. Yeah. <laughs> he sits with Sansa. Given that you said she wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back to the yeah. castle. Yeah. So um, he really enjoys the fact that the Hound beats Sir Jaime. Yeah. And then marvels at the almost eight-foot frame of yeah. Gregor Clegane. He compares him to Hodor. Yeah, bigger back. than Hodor. He yes. Says. yes. Hodor, the simple-minded stable boy from Winterfell. He's even bigger than him. Ned thinks about the troubling rumors that surround Gregor Clegane, including that he was not only the man to smash the brains in of the two Targaryen children, Rhaegar and Elia Martell's... Sorry, the children were not Rhaegar, <laughs> Rhaegar and Elia Martell. <laughs> the parents of the children were Rhaegar and Elia Martell. Their children were Rhaenys and Aegon, and they're the two children who were killed at the end of Robert's Rebellion. Right. Also that he raped Elia before murdering her too. Yeah, and then he kind of ruminates over the life that Gregor has at his at Clegane's Keep and all the things that have uh, gone on there, such as he's uh, rumors that he was involved in his father's death. He, he died in a hunting accident and that there was a we, sister. We, we know from Sam Tarly that that's not always true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And that there was a sister, Plegane's sister, and she um, mysteriously died. And that his first two wives have also died. Yeah. He's preparing to marry a third time. And there's yeah. other things going on in that place. That the, And the interesting side note that Sando left Clegane Keep and never went back the day yeah. his father died. As soon as Sir Gregor was in charge, Sando you know, was out of there idea. and never yeah. went back. Not a bad idea. Yeah. So... So Loras defeats the mountain using a trick. His yep. his horse is a mare in heat, and Clegane uses huge uh, ungelded stallions. Yeah. And you, you know you can't really blame him for that, being that he is eight feet tall. He's going to need a large, big horse. powerful true. horse. That's true. <laughs> but the uh, the stallion gets a little bit unruly yep. with the mare, and he can't ride him properly. And this allows Loras to knock him off his horse. And I wondered about that. I wonder. You'd think there'd be something in the rule books because. Yeah, and you know that could happen yeah. anytime you wanted to win. If you use, if someone was using such a stallion, you could find a mare in heat. Yeah. And, uh, but I guess it's it's interesting though because I mean obviously this is slightly preparing for true battle, and would you do the same trick in true battle because you'd be disturbing the horses of your your right. teammates <laughs> too. <It's> true. <laughs> That's true. But then yeah. again, if your horse happened to be a mare, then she might at some point. Right. Can we hold off a week, please? <laughs> this battle, really, really not good timing. It's going to be all kinds of mess out there. <laughs> yeah, and this comes up in a conversation between, I think it's Renly and uh, Littlefinger, Peter Baelish, and, and uh, Barrison Selmy overhears it, and he does not, he says there's no place in the tournaments for tricks like that. Yeah, so he does not does approve. Not prove, no. So one thing I noticed is that after Sir Loras beats Sir Gregor, knocks him off his horse, and then Sir Gregor kills his horse for being unruly and then he goes after Sir Loras and right before he whacks him you know kills him with his sword Sandor steps in and the two of them kind of start fighting and Ned notices that Gregor keeps swinging to kill and Sandor never swings to kill even though Gregor has no protection on his head he never swings back he just is defending himself yeah and that 
I just don't know why that might be, other than possibly some tie that binds, even yeah, though yeah. there's such dislike between the two of them. Interesting point. So, Solaris and the Hound are due to square off in the final, yeah. but given that the Hound has just saved his life, Solaris hands the victory to the Hound, and the crowd go crazy, I think partly for the, for the gesture of Solaris, but... Yeah. The hound is like, oh, check me out. Yeah, I get to walk off to the chairs. <laughs> he, you know, I was thinking about, yeah, certainly I'm sure he owes, obviously he owes a debt to Sandor, but, you know, it's not like he needed the money necessarily. Good point. And it can really, yeah, right. It can really only add to his legend and, you know, the love that the small folk have for him is by doing this chivalrous, gallant act of yeah, yeah. giving Sandor No, you're absolutely right, yeah. So Ned's as happy as he's ever been in King's Landing. Yeah, the Lannisters really haven't really been around all day. The girls are getting along. Arya is clearly loving her dancing lessons. <laughs> she says of her bruises that Cyril Farrell says, every hurt is a lesson and every lesson makes you better. All right, yeah. So if you yeah. see bruises on my son, <laughs> he'll be better at chemistry for them. <laughs> so he thinks long and hard about, oh yeah, so now he's back, now Ned's back yeah. in his room. So that was at a, they were there was a feast afterward yeah. and he was... Arya and Sansa were actually getting along. Yeah. Sansa said, you should have been there. It was so amazing, which is unusual for Sansa to say. She usually doesn't want Arya around. But she, you were perhaps giving a sort of roast-tinted view of that. It was like more like, you missed it all. You're such an idiot. You, know? you could, <laughs> could have been, been that way, there. too. Instead, you're dancing with, I don't know, sticks or something? <laughs> yeah. She sees all the bruises, and she's like, you must be a terrible dancer. So... Back in his room, Ned thinks long and hard about all the things he's learned. Now we're thinking again, back to um, CSI King's Landing. Right, right? yes. Yeah. Well, how did John Aaron die? Robert's got plenty of bastards. What was John interested in? Yep. There was no mistaking Gendry for anyone but Robert's son. Couldn't, yep, no doubt. Definitely a Baratheon. Couldn't possibly be Renly's, and almost certainly not Stannis's. Yeah, Renly's too young and... Yeah. It's just not in Stannis to do something like that. And then so. there's a sort of like a general sort of, well, could it be that Cersei was worried about bastards being legitimized in some way, but then the law just works against them. There's yeah. nothing in the law that would give any baseborn child any kind of threat to a trueborn yeah. child. So, And he's he has a history of being very kind and generous to his bastards he's got a bastard at storm's end named edric storm and he's got a bastard that he fathered back when he was a teen in the Vale, called maya stone ned is thinking back about how even after robert lost interest in the mother he still made of kind maya of, yeah, yeah of maya he still yeah. made play dates to go play with the little girl yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, so it can't be just the fact that he is a bastard. Because... And we know that someone was paying Gendry's apprenticeship. And we don't, right. I mean, obviously, the suspicion is it's someone either directly Robert or indirectly for Robert right. looking after him as well. Then, but then what has this all got to do with the brothels? What has this all got to do with the Book of Lineages? Yeah. And what does all that bring together to make you be vulnerable to assassins? What What yeah. is it? See, that's the thing. Uh, Varys tells him it was I mean we'll come into Varys now yeah. but Varys ends with it was for asking questions yeah, but yeah. John Aaron was obviously asking questions and getting answers that he understood right Ned is asking the same questions but he hasn't he has no idea no, what the answers mean yeah. Yeah. it doesn't mean anything to him yet and Ned thinks he's kind of thinking about all this and he he feels certain that the dagger and Bran's fall are all tied into John Aaron's death even though they don't 
necessarily seem to be related. He feels like there is some connection. Now, I thought maybe, you know, when you're obsessing over something, you can kind of see ties to it from all kinds of directions. But he feels like they're connected in some way. Yeah. So Varys has slipped past many guards to get to the door of Ned's chambers. And Harwin knocks and says, there's someone here to see you. And uh, he lets him in. Varys is in disguise, not yep. his usual voice, drab clothes, smelling of sweat instead of perfume. And you, now I'm going to take a departure here. And you're wondering why I have that word written there. I'm yeah, but now I've, I've, I actually think I know where you're going to go with this. You asked me in the last Ned chapter who I thought it was that paid for uh, Gendry's apprenticeship. You remember it was a guy that showed up, paid the, that paid the apprentice fee, and he was uh, wearing robes and he was shorter and stooped and all that and we i said i think i know who it is but I'm, i don't want to say yet i think it was uh varis because varis is has the ability to be a mummer to to do acting type things when need be i think he put on a different persona to go pay that apprentice fee it's a theory i like it so varis calls robert a fool to yep. ned's face he says i know your friends but let's face it he's a fool yep and I think what he means is he's a two, he's a fool. He doesn't see all of these things going on around him and all the plots well, working against him. I think more than that, I think he thinks he's a drunken oaf as well. Well, yes. <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, his spies have told him of a plot to kill, to kill Robert in the melee that already happened. So this is not very useful information at this point other than to ingratiate yourself. Ned argues, well, it's not Cersei because she tried to forbid it. She said he absolutely could not. But yep. then Varys makes the very good point, then, and Ned admits to this, the best way to get Robert to do something is to forbid him from doing exactly. it. Exactly. Especially She's... in front of everyone. Right, that's where I was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't just say, you know, in their own chambers, I forbid you from doing this. Yeah. She said it in front of the King's Guard, in front of everyone that was at that feast around them. So, yeah. So, so she knows Robert too. Assuming this is true, thankfully Ned and Sebastian were able to talk him yeah. out of it for different reasons. Partly because he couldn't get his fat girth into his <laughs> armor. <laughs> Partly because he couldn't really fight in a melee because no one would fight him. Yes. Which obviously he would have found out when he got out there was not true. At least one person right. was going to fight him Whoops. to the death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, Robert uh, Ned says exactly what you just said. Well, no one's going to touch him if he's out there. And he said, in all that chaos, you know, what if someone accidentally killed the king? And wouldn't they be beside themselves with grief? And then Cersei, the uh, sweet, loving Cersei, would pardon the man in all his grief and forgive him. Yeah. Or behead him. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, I yeah. think the beheading one seems more likely. Yeah, I mean, given what happened to <laughs> Sir Hugh. Yes. <laughs> right. So Varys says that he didn't confide in Ned before the melee because he didn't trust him. Yeah. And Ned is incredulous. You didn't trust me? <laughs> right. You're the master of whispers. <laughs> but now Varys is sure of Ned and, and yeah. thinks that, that Ned has, that both of them have the same interests at heart. Yeah. The well-being of Robert and the realm. Yes. But that Ned is in a better position because should Cersei ever decide that Varys is in her way, she could have him beheaded in an mm -hmm. instant. And she could not do the same to Ned. Right. And not only is he in a better position, but he's in such a better position that Cersei actually, he believes Cersei fears him. Yeah, yeah. If you believe that Peter Baelish was being accurate when he 
showed Ned the, the, the spy for Cersei and said that Cersei is taking quite an interest in you. That fits. Yeah, so... Um, she fears him because of his influence over Robert, basically. You know? Yeah. No one else really has any influence over Robert, except for her. He appeases her. It's the easiest way to uh, for him to deal with her. Now, Ro- uh, Ned, he actually loves, so he has influence over him yeah. that way. So Varys confirms that it was poison. It was a poison that... Um the Westerosi are not familiar with called the Tears of Lys, which is odorless and colorless and clears itself out of your system so it leaves no trace. I guess that's why Maester Pycelle was not familiar with it. Quite so. Or um, so he says. So he says. And then further, Varys confirms that it was Sir Hugh that administered the poison to his lord, John Aaron. So there we are. Yeah. Varys mentions that Sir Hugh owed everything to... John Aaron, and then you know that Sir Hugh stayed in King's Landing and was was very prosper. Uh, was really prospering, and he said, "I love seeing the youth prosper." <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Varys mentions you know that the same thing Ned was wondering at the beginning of the chapter was, you know, is it coincidence that right before I got to talk to Sir Hugh, he was killed? And Varys said. Did you notice that fact that right before you got to talk to him, he was killed by a Lannister bannerman? It's not coincidence. One of the last things that Varys points out to Ned is that the people plotting against Robert are going to try again. Yep. They're not going to be done just because this one was uh, stopped. And that Ned's presence will speed that process along. Uh, yeah, the fear right, of right, Ned right. and the fear of Ned getting Robert back on track, I think, will help to speed things along. So one thing that Ned mentions is that he thinks the Kingsguard would protect Robert, but Varys is like, don't trust them. They're not the Kingsguard of old. Right. The only one of the seven that he trusts is Barriss and Selmy. The rest yeah. of them, he said, are either already in Lannister's pay or useless. And he pres- he specifically mentions Sir Jamie. He said, <laughs> yeah. we know what his uh, word is worth, <laughs> yeah. which you and I had talked about yeah. in the first place. Why, why would you keep him on when... You know, what what he did may have been for the right reasons. He still broke his vow, so. (laughs) We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash ghostsherrenhall. You can find the link in our show notes. Vow doesn't mean as much to him as it does to uh, Ned. That's for right, sure. that's for sure. Give us some background. All right. So at the very beginning of the chapter, when they're looking at Sir Hugh's body, the Silent Sisters are the ones that are that prepare have prepared his body, and they're going to send the his armor and remains back to the Vale. And so the Silent Sisters they um, live a life of prayer and contemplation and good works. They bring solace to the living and peace to the dead. Um, But sometimes girls and women are sent to become Silent Sisters as punishment. So there's that. It is said that the Silent Sisters are always glad to welcome widows. And people of Westeros are uneasy about and wary of the Silent Sisters, mostly because they, uh, you know, they deal with the dead. The Silent Sisters prepare men for the grave and it is considered ill fortune to look upon the face of death, which is mentioned in the very beginning of this chapter. And the belief that their tongues are removed is a myth. 
I guess you might not have known that that was a belief, but if you did believe that is a myth, <laughs> uh, they are silent because of piety. Mm-hmm. So um, the King's God, let me take you through the King's God. So as well as Jamie Lannister and Sir Barristan Selmy, we have uh, the two that various names as being on the Lannister payroll. So Boris Blunt, who um, is also known as Boris the Belly. <laughs> um, he's a re- House Blunt is from the Crown Lands, and so... <laughs> Do you really want a member of the King's Guard whose nickname is the Belly? <laughs> I don't think it's Robert yeah. might. <laughs> if it was the washboard stomach, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what it used to be. The washboard <laughs> belly. They just dropped the washboard over the years. Uh, so he's from the Crown Land, so maybe um you know, that that means he owes fealty to the Brathians of King's Landing, but Right. He's on payroll, apparently. So Merrin Trent is the other one that Varys mentions by name. He's from the Stormlands, so he owes fealty to House Baratheon of Storm's right. End. But um, he has a droopy eye. So there you are, little, fe- little physical features of Blunt okay. and Trent. Right. The other three are Preston Greenfield, um, who would be uh, from House Greenfield, who owe their fealty to House, drumroll, Lannister. Oh, boy. Uh, Mandon Moore, from House Moore from the Vale of Arryn. So there's one, fingers crossed. Yeah. might look out for him. And then Aris Oakheart, House Oakheart are in the Reach, and so they owe their fealty to Lord Tyrell. So, uh, yeah, not, not great news that the two who seems like they would have fealty to the Baratheons on the last payroll. Yeah, of course, being that they're members of the King's Guard, their fealty should 100% be to the King, but as we've seen, that might not always be mm-hmm. the case. So, a little bit about Sir Loras Tyrell. He's 16. He's the elder brother of Marjorie Tyrell, who, if you remember from the last Ned chapter, Renly was carrying around a picture of Marjorie Tyrell because he thought, he was told anyway, that she looked like uh, Lyanna Stark, which Ned disagreed with. Um, and I think you mentioned this at the beginning of the chapter that Loras won the yeah. last major tournament and uh, all but won this one. I yeah. would have liked to have seen that uh, final match. That would have been pretty interesting. Uh, although I cannot help but notice that when the gloves came off, he got his ass handed to him by the mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, in the in the structures of the tournament, he was right. winning. <laughs> when the mountain drew his sword and started waving it around, it took several men to protect Loras <laughs> from being decapitated. Yeah, I imagine he's not alone in that department. Yeah. So, in comparison with the TV show, um, Selmy and Ned spend start the this part with uh, the body of Sir Hugh and talking to the Silent Sisters. But Ned sees Robert on his own, not with Barristan Selmy. Okay. There's only one squire, just Lancel Lannister. The other one's dropped as being redundant. Yep, sure. The conversation between Ned and Robert is very similar. Um, we never see Jamie or the Hound joust. I mean, sir, neither of them seem to be taking part in the tournament. They're both always up in the crowd. So it's interesting that they are part of the tournament. Huh. There is no archery nor melee. Uh, Robert was going to joust. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. There's no second feast. There was no first feast, if you remember. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> this is Littlefinger's dream, a much cheaper tournament. <laughs> uh, so Renly and Littlefinger do have the 100 golden dragon bet, but it's on the mountain versus Sir Loras. Okay, yeah. Um, Peter, before the fight, asks what he can do with the 100 golden crowns, and Renly suggests he could buy himself a friend. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Cutting, yeah. cutting humor there. Renly chose Loras and so wins the bet. So, um, Varys and Ned do have the conversation, but there was no sneaking into Ned's chambers. He just came just during the day in. As, as Lord Varys. Hmm. So, no, no they're a little bit up and down in the show about the secrecy. Yeah. 
like Ned was being secretive, but then he just rode up to see the blacksmith. <laughs> Hopped off his horse yeah. on the side of the road. So Pedantry Corner, not an awful lot in this one, but I mean, it's because it was too good. I was too captivated to be looking out for pedantry on this. Right, this yeah. This was a good chapter. Yeah. I really like this chapter. Uh Episode Bonanza, I guess we'll make a decision after the next recording because we've recorded enough to keep it going at this moment, right? right? So next time, do we record one or two? I hate to be indecisive about it, but we really both really want to keep the Episode Bonanza going, but at the same time, it is getting increasingly difficult to get two episodes in in a week. But COVID-19 might just make it happen. It might. There is a silver lining. It's more podcast episodes. We are also thinking about recording remotely from one another, doing our bit for the stamping out the virus. So right. um, if the quality drops off on a couple of forthcoming episodes, please forgive. We are uh, just trying not to infect each other's families. Yep. Um, all right. So in conclusion, um, can we trust virus? Yeah. See, that's the thing. All of this information is very revealing and very interesting. You know, he could have some other agenda he's being he's very good at selling this of all the people that have come to ned or that ned has talked to his information seems the most legit and believable and partly because it's what ned wants to believe yeah it fits with his worldview and so that's why there's just a grain of like you're just telling him what he wants to hear right and he's also a an accomplished actor so yeah. he might be able to sell it better yeah. than the other two. Is it possible Sir Hugh died accidentally? I don't think so. I Boy, think that would be quite the San- coincidence. Sander, who I'm guessing Sander is not part of any kind of plot, he just watched the fight and thought it was on purpose. Yeah. So even minus the motive, he thought it was intentional. And now we clearly have a very strong motive for the Lannisters to silence. I guess it's possible. I mean, we saw what Gregor did to Sandor as children when he played with a toy he couldn't have cared less about. It's possible that Sir Hugh offended Sir Gregor in some way. Maybe he stepped on his foot. Jousting with him? Yeah, that. (laughs) Pointing a lance at him. (laughs) How dare you? But it seems highly unlikely that this is just a coincidence. Who raised Sir Hugh up and why? Right. If he did kill John Arryn... Somebody in serious power was happy about it. If he, so if Sir Hugh is the person who killed John Arryn, he's been rewarded heavily by someone in very significant power. Yes, because it was the king himself. Any knight can can knight someone. This was the king himself that knighted him. So. And I think we all, none of us think it's the king right. who called for John Arryn's death. Yeah. Like Varys said, I don't think he is paying enough attention to be involved in any of this espionage if it's going on like we think it is. So what's true and what's fable about Gregor Clegane? He's obviously nuts. Yes. Um, Killing his horse just for being a little randy seems very (laughs) unpleasant. He's got some sociopathic tendencies, that's for sure. But it it is interesting that you pointed out that Gregor is trying to decapitate Sandor, but Sandor is just trying to defend himself and Solaris at the same time. That struck me as interesting. Did you, in your comparison with the TV show, did you mention about the difference in the fight between Gregor and Sandor? What was that? I don't think it was a difference. Oh, I think it was mentioned in the book too. When when the king calls a halt to it. Oh yeah, that's right. It wasn't. When the king calls a halt to it, the hound Sandor immediately drops to his knees 
sort of like in an act of fealty towards the king. Yeah. And by doing so, he avoids a vicious blow from his brother, which yeah. whistles just above his head. It was the visual imagery of the show that yeah. was a little more impactful than the yeah. way it was in the yeah. book. Yeah. So is Ned making any progress on his investigation? I mean, like he's asking the same questions, seemingly, that John Arryn asked, but he doesn't understand the questions or the answers. Right. John Arryn, but either the, the assassins were concerned enough just by the questions or they or he felt they felt like Aaron was John getting was getting closer than Ned is exactly yeah or maybe not maybe Ned is as close and they're now after him <laughs> yeah. you know? Ned just doesn't realize yeah. he's as close yeah. so but it definitely feels it definitely feels like he's just following someone else's footsteps not yeah. understanding why they were headed that way yeah he doesn't know where these footsteps are leading yeah, he's yeah. just following whereas them. The people who made the footsteps knew why they were taking those steps. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. And so there's, there's still a piece missing for all this to fall together for him. Yep. Well, anything else? No, that's it. Thanks. All right. Well, as always, you can reach us at ghost.heronhall at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Ghost Heron Hall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, not on TikTok. Yeah. And uh, go out and give us positive reviews. That'll help get the word out. It really would. It really does help. It makes a big difference. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.